0: This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts, this is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, Hi, atop the tallest tree in the piney woods. good to have you with us. It is Monday, the 17th day of July, 2023. We made it through the weekend. Hope you had a great day at church yesterday. Our pastor was uh, gone this week. He and his wife are off camping. Um, uh, Unlike the last time he was away, I didn't preach, but I had the duty of doing the... uh, The announcement and opening prayers and 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 all of that so um, it was a good day at church Uh, uh, one of the elders brought a an excellent message on on uh, judges on actually on Gideon and uh, trusting in God and uh, the sovereignty of God it was a very good message So thankful for that. Thankful to gather with the saints. Hope you had a great day at church yourself. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast at 7.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time every Monday through Friday on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. Mm. Coffee. Let's see. What do we got today? Other than coffee. My coffee cup is almost empty. I am going to refill my coffee cup. The next sound you hear is me opening my thermos. Yes. Oh, rich aroma. This is San Francisco Bay French Roast from Costco. It's a, uh, probably been my go-to bean mainly because of the price for many, many years. Although I do have a brand new box of coffee in uh, on the shelf. Uh, Got a couple of one pound bags of, let's talk about that for a minute. Coffee used to come in by the pound. And now a one pound bag of coffee is like 12 ounces. It's four ounces shorter, short of a pound. Now, I understand they did this to keep the price point lower, but I want a pound of coffee. And I want to know how, I mean, it's like instead of raising the price of gasoline at the pump, they make the gallons smaller. That, that just doesn't do it. Let's go back to selling a pound of coffee. So Joe, if you're listening, you know, Squirrely Joe's Coffee should sell coffee by the pound. Uh, Montana Coffee Traders sell coffee by the pound. Herb's House sell coffee by the pound. Um, it just, uh, you know, a 12-ounce bag. Now, I want a pound of coffee. Thank you. But I have a five-pound bag. They, they still sell the big bags by the pound. So I've got uh, two of the small bags of the Glacier Blend. That's the only size it's available in. That's the vanilla coffee from Montana Coffee Traders. It's just really, really good. So I've got two two packages of that, and then I got a big five pound bag of the Trailblazer. So as soon as this bag of uh, San Francisco Bay French Roast is done, we're going to be going back to some Montana Coffee Trader coffee for a while. I do like my coffee, and uh, every, I, I I actually have not gotten any emails complaining about talking about coffee. So we'll keep it that way. I know. I like coffee. You like coffee. It's morning. We're all thinking about coffee. I'm having coffee with you. I hope you're having coffee with me. Hmm. Another sip of coffee. It's Monday. All right. What do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And it is Monday. So we've got Monday meanderings, which started a little bit early as I complain about. Coffee, no a pound of coffee, no longer being a full pound. Sorry, these things bug me. All right, well, let's begin as is our practice with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now our our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Our devotional today, is entitled God's Law Not Up for Annulment. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew five nineteen A. doctor MacArthur writes People resent prohibitions and demands on their behavior. Even believers, out of ignorance, misunderstand or blatantly disregard sometimes out of ignorance, misunderstanding, or blatant disregard, sometimes want to water down God's standards. But when anyone annuls, breaks, sets loose any part of God's word, he or she is not following Christ's example. Jesus did acknowledge that not all of God's commands are of equal importance. He told a Pharisaical lawyer that one divine commandment is above all others and that another is second. Thus, all the other commandments fall somewhere below these two and vary ver- in significance. Our Lord's, our Lord's point here in the sermon, however, is that we must not annul by ignoring, modifying, or disobeying even the smallest aspect of God's law. Some commands might be greater than others, but none should be disregarded. Paul did not pick and choose what he would teach, he did emphasize some issues more than others, but he omitted nothing, Acts twenty twenty seven. And we certainly must not teach others to disregard or disobey any portion of the law. To do so shows that our disobedience is conscious and intentional. Jesus does not restrict his warning to former formal teachers. By example, every Christian teaches those around him to be more obedient or more disobedient. Our words of respect for God's word present a guide for others to speak despairingly of the word or to ignore it. Its requirements presents testimony to others of the law's unimportance to us. This ought to be the furthest thing from our agenda. Sorry, my enunciator is not working this morning. Ask yourself, on what subject matters do you find yourself most tempted to comment I know what the Bible says, but oh, good, good question there to to think about today. Where do you stand on God's law? All right, it's Monday, so it's Monday meandering. Got a couple of things to talk about today. First is, it's July, it's summer. It's hot out. It happens every. Year. I've been listening to the news just over the, the, the outcry at the, the hot weather that is sweeping the nation and sweeping the globe. The Northern Hemisphere is experiencing hot weather. Well, it's summer in the Northern Hemisphere. Some summers are warmer than others. It is a warm year compared to the last couple of years in areas of, of North America and Europe. Uh, I don't know about Asia. I haven't looked at the weather in Asia. They're probably having hot weather too um, because it's summer. <laughs> um, it happens every year. It, 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 it gets warm and people start crying about climate change. And Greta Thunberg's on the news. Apparently she got arrested for for defying an order to disperse a a demonstration somewhere. Um, It's silly stuff. There was apparently, I think it was the, was it the prime minister of Spain? I'm not sure. Um, Does Spain have a a woman prime minister right now? I'm not sure. But there was a, a European conference on climate change and I think it was the Prime Minister of Spain, but it was one of the Prime Ministers, um, flew into the airport wherever this conference was being held and was in the motorcade driving to wherever the conference was being held. And a couple of miles short of the destination, she and some of her top advisors got out of the motorcade and rode bikes the rest of the way while being followed by the motorcade. So, I mean, it was it was purely done as a visual. Oh, look how much I care for the environment. The car that uh, I would have been riding in is now driving much more slower, meaning that it was burning more gas for a period of time, so it's actually polluting more than it would have if, it had just, if we'd just driven there and dropped me off. Um, because now it's idling through the streets, following me as I pedal a bicycle. That uh, you know, with, with and wave at the crowds. This isn't a, a, It's all done as a, a visual. It's all done to to cause, you know, look at me, look at how much I care. Um. It's it's you know, in a lot of ways, slack division. You know, an activist who just kind of slacks off. It's all done. The, the thing with all of this is it's all done for public consumption. These, these people are flying around the world. I mean, they, they have the big thing in, in Davos every year with the World Economic Forum that, um, I mean, you talk about a, a Bond villain, Klaus Schwab is a Bond villain. I, I, he's an evil, evil man. And if he wants to sue me, he can. I don't have anything for him to take. <laughs> you know, gee, he took my Miata. You know, big deal. He's an evil man. And and his his agenda for the planet is evil. And he meets with like-minded people in Davos, Switzerland every year. And they all fly in on their private jets and take their motorcades from the airport about an hour to the town and yet they they do all this while telling us that we need to cut back on our energy use that we need to quit driving our gasoline cars and switch to electrical vehicles. Which cost more to produce and actually result in more pollution. Um, there's a podcast I listen to regularly called The Right Report. Um, I recommend it to you. Not a not a Christian podcast. Um, I the I think the man who hosts it may be a Christian, but at least nominally. Um, but he's a former CIA agent, and he goes through the daily news and talks about things and it's a it's a good good news and analysis show for what's going on in the world and he has he calls the whole quote unquote green energy thing dirty green energy because he talks about how much green energy pollutes and how much how bad green energy is for the environment And people are not, you know, oh, windmills, you know. Well, have you seen the pictures of the landfills that are full of 100-foot-long windmill blades that have reached the end of their life expectancy or their, their practical use? Because they can't be recycled. They bury them. Yeah. It actually costs more to produce one of those windmills and maintain it than it produces in energy. It's just phenomenal that people think this is going to save the planet. And the one thing that would help, the one thing that would help, which is nuclear energy, is the one thing that they all reject. Oh no, we don't want atomic power plants anywhere and and you know it's PBS actually on Nova a couple of years ago it was one of the most of the time you watch Nova and it 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 has a a liberal slant and they do all the climate change stuff and all the evolution stuff and all of that and and you know because they have that secular bias but they did several years ago now <clears throat> a wonderful episode on nuclear power. And this was after Fukushima. They were talking about the fact that the Fukushima disaster, the the the, 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 the generation of nuclear power plant reactors that are currently in use date back to the sixties in their design. And newer and better um, reactors have been developed since then, specifically the liquid sodium reactor, which was developed, I believe, in the 80s. And in tests at a a test reactor, they tried to get a nuclear, a, a, a liquid sodium reactor to melt down. They shut off all the coolant and everything. And because of the way the liquid sodium reactor is designed, the reactor shut down on its own. They didn't shut it down the way it's designed when the coolant was shut off. The reactor shut down. They could not make it melt down. Um, they, They basically did everything to that reactor that happened to the reactor in Chernobyl. And could not get it to melt down. If the Fukushima plant had had those liquid sodium reactors, when the plant lost power to the pumps and the coolant and all that stuff because of the tsunami, the reactors just would have scrammed. They would have just shut down. So you wouldn't have had the the partial meltdown and the radioactive release and all the problems that happened at Fukushima. So the the technology that we're using for the current in operation atomic power plants is 60 years old and there's better technology, but they quit developing it in the eighties and none of it was ever put into practice because of the huge anti-nuke crowd and the huge push against atomic power. If you want to help the environment, Atomic power. You know another thing you could do to help the environment? Asteroid mining. Get industry off the planet. Get the ugly smoke belching factories off the planet. Yeah. Mine asteroids. You could mine asteroids. This is something I've been reading about for years. Reading G. Harry Stein and Jerry Pornell books back when I was in high school where they laid out the technology that already existed in the Apollo era. They laid out the technology to mine asteroids and using solar power, you know, building, you know, reflective solar powered furnaces, where you just push the push the asteroid into the focus of the of the of the reflectors and it would melt the asteroid and in weightless conditions with a simple centrifuge you can easily separate the different metals. And and we know that the asteroids are very metal rich. So so much of the stuff that we think of is scarce. <laughs> You know, we could, by expanding out into the solar system, mining the asteroids, I know it's, it sounds far-fetched, but we could turn the planet Earth into a park. You know, and a residential park and have all of our industry off-planet. And And there's ways to do it and the technology exists. And if we started doing that, the technology would just get better and better and better. Look at how rapidly air travel advanced from the 1930s until modern times. Look at how rapidly. You know, I mean, airplanes were invented in the early 1900s, and we went from the, the Wright Brothers plane to, you know, the huge, you know, 747s and, and Airbus whatever 180s, whatever the big Airbus is and, you know, smaller planes, more efficient planes. And, and it's just because there was an economic advantage in advancing aeronautical technology. Same thing would happen to space if, and, and we see that already with, with groups like SpaceX and, and, uh, and the, the the one that, uh, what was the one that, uh, uh, that uh, Shatner flew on? Something blue. That's just a parabolic arc tourist thing, um, not really a space transport. But we have the technology, and if we make it profitable, which it would be if people were using it, more you know there's an economy of scale <laughs> you know when you can build a lot of something you can build each one cheaper um, SpaceX with their reusable boosters that was a game changer when they started landing those boosters and reusing them that is a game changer that cut the costs of pound to orbit of uh, uh, Shipping a pound to orbit that cut the cost significantly. So we have, you know, the technology is getting better. What would happen if there was actually a push out into the you know, to 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 space industrialization, where you wouldn't have, you you wouldn't have the the manufacturing in your backyard. You wouldn't have the waste products on the planet that need to be dealt with all the slag and all of that would not be on the planet you wouldn't have things like love canal which most of you don't remember but I remember it was a very polluted industrial canal in New York it was an area near a what kind of factory was it i used to know but there was an industrial site and they were polluting the the area and there was all sorts of illnesses and cancers and whatnot in the people that lived in the area and then they went in and found out all this illegal dumping of, of the, the industrial waste had caused you know serious problems with the people and that was just one little area in the United States there are areas the Soviet Union was horrible for this there are large areas in the former Soviet Union that are uninhabitable because of industrial waste. Now, you know, so these things aren't getting talked about. If we moved all of that industry off planet, we could definitely help things out. You want to help the environment? Do something practical. Don't buy a Prius with the battery that, you know, the dirty green energy stuff. You know, don't buy your electric vehicle. You know, to, to get things off planet. Um, we don't have the battery technology to the, the batteries aren't clean. That's the thing. The batteries aren't clean. And and without that technology, you know, we'd be much better off with fuel cells than batteries in electric vehicles. You had hydrogen fuel cells. The only byproduct of a hydrogen fuel cell is water water and electricity. You know, it's hydrogen and oxygen as they as they combine, they release energy and this was how the Apollo spacecraft got their now granted <laughs> Apollo 13's oxygen tank blew up, but that was not because of the technology, that was because of a bare wire. That was a quality control issue. It was not a not an issue with the technology of the fuel cell. They're not prone to destruction. They're not prone to explosions. You just have a tank of hydrogen and a tank of oxygen and guess what? You can make oxygen you can crack water into hydrogen and oxygen so the the fuel is water and the, the byproduct is water and electricity. Great technology. That's how we should power our electric cars. The other possibility is get rid of the batteries and just use an electric generator. Use a generator powered by gasoline to power your electric vehicle. That's how diesel electric locomotives work. They are a diesel generator powering an electric train. And no huge batteries needed, no huge batteries wanted. The the exhaust from a gasoline or diesel power generator is going to be much less damaging to the environment than those batteries. And, and that's just absolutely factual. And, and, and there's been article after article and study after study, which confirms that, but the, the environmental lobby doesn't even want to talk about it. Just like they don't want to talk about nuclear power. Um, There are things we could do to help the environment, and what's being done isn't it. So it's summer. It's hot. It's warm. happens every year. But it's been warmer from the 800s to the 1300s. This is, you know, a thousand years ago, right around a thousand years ago. Wine growing was common in Northern Europe, and this is above the 55th parallel. Now, to give you an example, the U.S.-Canadian border, you know, is further south than the 55th parallel. I think the U.S.-Canadian border is, is that the 49th parallel? I'd have to look. (laughs) I don't remember. but in northern Europe, above the 55th parallel, wine growing was common. They, they had warm weather from May through September so that they could grow wine. The wines from northern England were considered to be rivals to the French wines. This is in the medieval period. It is estimated that it was 1 to 2 degrees centigrade warmer a thousand years ago than it is now. So to worry about it getting warmer, and and folks, this is long before industrialization. This was long before the, you know, man-made greenhouse gases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You had vineyards in Russia. You had vineyards in Norway. You know, this was, northern Europe was a, was a, was a much warmer place than it is now. So, you know, why are we in a panic that we're having summer weather? Because it ain't that bad. Now, I know that there are people pointing to I I've, I've heard more than one news report um I listen to the BBC. And BBC is usually better than American news, but they, they are fully in with the climate change global warming uh, intelligentsia group and they were doing a, a a discussion on the warm weather and how hot it is and and everything and so where do they go for their reporting Death Valley California which is always hot in the summer i I, I think it's it's not Barstow. It's, uh, well, what's that little town? Anyway, you're driving on 15 towards LA. You're driving through a town in Death Valley, and they have a giant thermometer. What's the name of the town? It starts with a B. It's not, it's not Barstow. Uh, Barstow's a bigger, bigger city. Um, oh gosh. And, uh, Bakersfield I don't know I'd have to look <laughs> okay this one's gonna bug me I have got to look I am gonna look that one up right now I drive by it a couple of times a year going to LA where is my map app I need my map app on my I have my map app on the phone but I know I've got it on the iPad but okay grab the phone We will look it up on the phone because I know where my map apps are on the phone. Okay. Zoom out. Find California. Okay. It is Baker, Baker, California. It's a little bitty town. And they've got this huge thermometer that you can see, it's not a real thermometer, it's it's a tall tower that's made to look like a thermometer with lights on it. And it's set up so that the lights show you the temperature. Why do they have this big thermometer next to the freeway? Because it's in the middle of the desert and it gets hot there every year. And it's just kind of a novelty, hey, how hot is it today? So, you know, it's not uncommon in the middle of summer, in the late afternoon, to hit 120 because you're in the middle of the desert. And so here comes the uh, BBC talking about how warm things are and where do they go? Death Valley, where it's warm every year. Vegas, Phoenix. These are places where nobody lived Before the invention of air conditioning, very, very few people lived there before they invented air conditioning because it's always hot. So, you know, oh, we're having a hot summer. Let's go to Death Valley and talk to the reporters about how hot it is. Okay. That's just, you know, that's dishonesty. And, oh, it's a hot hot day in London, it's a hot day in Paris, it's a hot day in Munich, it's a hot day in New York. Well, it's summer. And there have been hot days before. And, you know, sometimes you have a record day. But there are a couple of places where they've just broken records that were set in the 1890s. Well, you know what? That means in the 1890s it was that hot. So it's not... A, a surprising thing and I noticed something that was a meme I I first saw it last year because it's a 2022 meme it's a it's the same date it's a it's a screenshot of German television giving the weather and there's a 2017 shot. It's July something in 2017, and they've got all the temperatures, and it's a hot day. Um, you know, they're they're in the the high 20s, low 30s Celsius, which is warm, and so they're all all the uh, all the temperatures are all around Germany on the map. You know, you've seen TV weather maps. Well, then. The same date, five years later in 2022, looks like it'd be the same same weather gal standing in front of the map. Only this time, in the in the 2017 map, the map's just a green map of of uh, Germany. There's no indication of how hot it is other than the temperatures that are everywhere. And in the 2022 map, the map is, um, excuse me, bright blotches of color. (laughs) And bright red and orange and everything. It looks like a lava field. The interesting thing is the temperatures are actually a few degrees lower than the 2017 map it's manipulation. It corresponds to alarmism. They want you to panic because they want you to buy in on their globalist agenda. And the reason they want you to buy in on the globalist agenda is because of power, not because they're really worried about the climate. For example, After he left office, Barack Obama bought a house in Hawaii. Um, Makes me sad. He actually bought the house that was used as Robin's Nest in Magnum P.I. He tore the house down and built a new house right there on the beach on the north shore of Oahu. And he built a house right on the beach. That tells me... He doesn't really believe the sea levels are going to rise significantly during his lifetime because he has a house right on the beach in Hawaii. And we've all seen that property because we've watched Magnum P.I. It was also used in the original Hawaii Five-O a time or two because it was a just a great place to shoot. But a Magnum P.I., that was Robin's Nest. We saw that house every week on Thursday night as that was where. Uh, Magnum and and Higgins lived with the lads Zeus and Apollo, and so we've seen that beach, we've seen that that uh, that house, etc. We've seen all of that. We know it's not high above the the ocean. I bet the 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 foundation of the house, the lawn, might be you know eight ten feet above sea level. <laughs> if that. I mean it's it's right there. It's on the beach. You got that little big drop down to the beach itself, and then you've got the big flat flat uh lawn and then the mountains across the highway. That you know, the volcanic mountains of Hawaii. So, you know, look at how they live. You know, huge proponent of climate change. Remember his his uh two thousand eight acceptance speech? when when he was speaking at the Democrat National Convention as he accepted the nomination for president. Remember Barack Obama said that to this people would look back in the future to the day that Obama was nominated and see that as the day that the oceans stopped rising. <laughs> just, it, it, it is phenomenal. But it has, they don't believe it. They don't live like that. And the reason they don't believe it is they know it's not true. Now, there are a lot of people that are convinced it's true, but the people who know, know it's not true. I would urge you to listen to the latest Just Thinking podcast. The, the uh, latest Just Thinking podcast is all about the religion of climate change, and it is a religion, folks. It is a pagan, earth-worshipping, worshipping the creature rather than the Creator, it it is a pagan religion and so I urge you to listen to the latest Just Thinking podcast which dropped last week because it's good stuff. I said it's at least a listen to twice podcast. Um I was talking to Virgil Walker one time and I said, you know, I, I usually listen to podcasts while I'm doing stuff. You know, if I'm doing yard work or cleaning in the house or or, or something like that. Um, that doesn't require, you know, intellectual, I'm doing something physical, I'll listen to podcasts. And I listen to podcasts when I'm driving and stuff. But for the Just Thinking podcast, I like to listen to Just Thinking in a quiet place with a notebook and take notes because those guys, they do their research and they dig deep and they are bringing the information and it's 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 a good thing to take notes during just thinking. And that's why I always say it's it's a it's a listen to it at least twice podcast. I'm probably gonna listen to it a third time this week. I've already listened to it twice, because you just you miss stuff. It's so packed with information. So I would urge you to to do that. Another thing I want to talk about today is America's military readiness. There's been a discussion about the fact that uh, um, the the backbone of America's army artillery is the 105 howitzer. This is the the workhorse cannon artillery piece used by the army, and it comes in various forms and you know on various platforms. But that 105 howitzer and the 105 howitzer round. Well, we've been shipping a lot of those 105 howitzer rounds to uh, Ukraine in, in part of the aid to the Ukrainian war. So much so that our own stockpiles have been depleted. And, you know, we don't have, you know, the, the, in World War II, the World War II was the last time that the entire industry of a country was geared to war production. You know, during World War II, Ford and General Motors stopped making automobiles. They were making tanks, Jeeps, and airplanes. You know, Ford Motor Company built airplanes using, you know, Boeing and Northrop designs and North American designs. They were building the planes that had been designed, you know, they, they weren't designing planes, but they were building all of these war planes that, that, you know, the factories had been completely turned over to the design and production of war materials. This is why, I mean, if you look at at, at car books, there aren't, 1941 through 1945 model cars. They weren't making cars. (laughs) They were making, you know, Jeeps, and, you know, the Jeeps would have been the only cars they made. They were making tanks. They were making airplanes. They were making war materials. And we had a vast ammunition industry cranking out everything from bullets to bombs, including artillery shells, as fast as they could make them. Because you had total war. The last time we've had total war. Well, you know, in modern times, we have not had that kind of production. We don't have the capacity for that kind of production. So one of the things about our, our industry and the fact that we have, you know, closed down so many factories in the United States and now make everything in China You know, I was just looking up, looking at a map on uh, on my iPhone, which was made in China. Um, We so much of our stuff is made in China. We don't make it here. We couldn't fight World War II now. We don't have the factories. We don't have the shipyards. See, we already had the factories. We just had to convert them to war production. Now, we built new factories, of course, during the war, but but that was the, you know, we had the industrial capacity to, you know, we just had to apply it to the war. We don't have the industrial capacity anymore. Think about all the people you know. All the people you know. Your your siblings, your parents, your grandparents, your children, your your neighbors, the deacon at church, all the people you know. Think about how many of them manufacture something for a living? Very few, very few. So we're not making stuff here. We're making stuff, even American companies are making stuff in foreign places where the labor is cheaper. So we don't have the industrial capacity we used to. or we're running short on ammunition and they're they're gearing gearing up to make more ammunition, but the American stockpiles are are down. So this is affecting our war readiness, and our uh, the American military's ability to defend the United States. Also, recruitment is way way off. Um, I was reading an article last week about you know generations uh, that had been military families great-grandfather grandfather father all served in the military and they're telling their children don't join and the main reason is they don't trust our government and the fact that our government has turned our military into a huge social experiment where we're not ready to fight a war but we're happy to use your proper pronouns. Um, I was talking to one retired officer recently, and he was saying that he was talking to some active duty people. And he says the transgender people are untouchable. They can't write them up for uniform refractions. They can't write them up for any disciplinary stuff because of their special protected status as transgender individuals. They cannot be disciplined. they're not ready to fight a war. they're not capable of fighting a war. and it's so recruitment is way way off and and that's affecting our war readiness as well. Um, I was reading an article yesterday afternoon that said that 40 percent of our submarine force is out of commission. So almost half of America's submarines are in port and out of commission. And there's two reasons. They're either waiting repairs and updates and maintenance, but the shipyards don't have the personnel because recruiting is down. The The maintenance, you know, it just isn't there. Or they're, The ships are ready to deploy, but they don't have qualified crews. They don't have enough people to man them because recruitment is down. So this is greatly affecting our ability to defend ourselves. Now, the surface fleet is in similar straits. It's close to 30% of the vessels in the surface fleet are not able to be deployed because they're either lacking in maintenance or lacking in qualified crew. So this is not a military that we can depend on. Now, I absolutely understand that our faith is not to be in, you know, horses and chariots in the might of man. Our faith is to be in the Lord our God and that, that he can and will protect us, or protect his people. Um, but even then, you know, I, as I've pointed out time and time again, in the Old Testament God has always used foreign invasion to punish sinful nations not just Israel but the nations around Israel um, they, they were often invaded by foreign armies as punishment for failure to worship God and for rebellion against God and just for being ungodly um, and America is ungodly so we look at that and we think this, you know, are we being set up for that ultimate level of judgment where we cease to exist as a nation because we are conquered by a foreign enemy and it could happen it's it's happened in the past it's, it's happened to other nations especially nations that, that thought they were they thought they were the bomb diggity, and boy, foreign invasion took care of that. It happened, it, it's either economic collapse, foreign invasion, there's all sorts of, I mean, look at the, we look at Russia now as, you know, a burgeoning power and, and a troublemaker in the world, but boy, back in 1990, we all watched the Soviet Union collapse. And, and it was due to their economy. They could not, you know, the communist economy doesn't function. And because it doesn't function, they they collapsed um, and fell apart. And so you have all of these former Soviet states, like Ukraine, which, you know, Putin wants to add back in, and, and that's a whole other story. But it was... Uh, You know, it really was the doing of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was set against defeating global communism. And he's the one who, you know, coming in after Carter and coming in after all the people who were trying to talk nice to the Soviets. Reagan came in and said, you guys want an arm race? We'll give you an arms race. We can afford it. You can't and he bankrupted them trying to, they were trying to keep up with us militarily and they couldn't do it. And what all that, that the Reagan military buildup accomplished was aptly demonstrated in the first Gulf war. Um, when they retook Kuwait, the, the U S military was unstoppable. And we need to understand that the Iraqi forces were using frontline Soviet equipment and had been trained in Soviet doctrine, uh, military doctrine. There were a lot of generals in Moscow watching the... at that time CNN was the... you know, we all watched CNN to find out what was happening in, in Desert Storm. And at that time there were a lot of Soviet generals watching CNN thinking, I am so glad We never pulled the trigger because all of that might that was used to just absolutely destroy the Iraqi military and sadly they didn't finish the job, they should have. That's a topic for another time. But that whole military apparatus had been built to fight the Soviet Union in Europe and the Soviet Union never invaded and it was shortly after that that the Soviet Union finally fully collapsed um, Berlin Wall came down all of that stuff um, it was all you know, all around the same time but there was a dawning realization that, that they were second class um, in a lot of ways they still are but they have nukes <laughs> so that, that changes the equation in a lot of ways Um, but yeah, it, it, our military is not what it was and it's in bad shape and because it has become this huge social experiment, which will fail. This is something about the transgender issue that I don't think we think about enough because it is contrary to reality I mean, it's it's unrealistic in ways that nothing up until now has been unrealistic, because it is so contrary to reality. We see the fact that it will collapse, because its its emperor has no clothes on stuff. The emperor has no clothes, and and it, once it, it cannot face contact with reality and so it will fail it will totally fall on its face but it's going to do a lot of damage before it does and we're already seeing that damage take place in our in our schools in our businesses and in our military readiness and and it's something to be aware of it's something to be prayerful of um pray that god would have mercy on us pray that he would send repentance on our land pray that he would convict these people of their sin and and that that, that you know not just these people but all americans you know uh, it just we're we're in bad straits and we need we we desperately need um the Lord our God to to reach out to our nation because we are under judgment, and if if God in His mercy doesn't send repentance on our land, in injustice He will send calamity on our land. Um, <laughs> all the Old Testament prophets coming to Israel, you know, repent and turn from your evil ways, or the wrath of God will fall upon the land. And what their message was to Israel then is equally true to Western civilization now. That if we do not turn away from our wicked ways, if we do not repent and turn to the Lord, we won't be here as a civilization. Um, It it just isn't going to happen. Islam is spreading like crazy. Islam is a dangerous false religion. Um, None of us want to live under Sharia law. Um, It's not something that that we should look forward to. (laughs) But, you know, man, it's, it's spreading like crazy. Europe is, Europe's in bad shape and, and there are areas in the United States and it it's one of those things that we need to recognize. Um, false religions are evil, and and we we our pluralistic society is you can't say that. Well, we need to say it, and we need to say it loudly and clearly. We need to to tear down the altars of Baal, and we need to to burn the high places and cut down the Asherah, and turn our nation back to God um, because the false religions just lead to death alright that's Monday meandering sorry to be so down but uh, there's just a lot going on in the world and and these are some of the things that have been on my heart and mine right, let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles Creed I believe in God the Father Almighty creator of heaven and earth the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the seventh Sunday after Pentecost. Let your merciful ears, O Lord, be open to the prayers of your humble servants, and that we may receive what we ask. Teach us by your Holy Spirit to ask only those things that are pleasing to you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you in the same Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, have a great Monday. Hope your week goes well. Look forward to seeing you again here tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. Have a great day. God bless. See you next time. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.